It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello Bulls fans and welcome to the CHGO Bulls podcast presented to you by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to live your bet life. William from Brazil is joining me. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing better than uh, some of the players on the Bulls that we're going to be talking about today. Um, some big news that we got to talk about, which is Malcolm Hill signing the uh, the two-way contract. <laughs> it's not, not where I was expecting you to go and... Uh... <laughs> Based on the way you were segueing there, I was like, "Oh shit, he's going straight into it. We're going straight in." But um, no, I yeah. had the. It's going to be a. <laughs> well, I don't know if it'll be that dark of an episode, but it's going to be a darker episode. So I had to kick us off with the, with the joke here. No, fair enough. And look, to be honest with you, when I saw the news uh, of Shams breaking the news of the Bulls signing Malcolm Hill to one of the two ideals, I was kind of like. Not envious, well, that's not the right word, but um, I mean, a bit disappointed even that um, that that news didn't break as we were recording. We we're literally recording like half an hour now after that news broke. That would have been a nice, um, a nice, a nice thing to happen whilst we were live recording, so to speak. But uh, nonetheless, yes, Malcolm Hill returns to the Bulls on a two-way contract. So interesting, but uh, that's not why we're here to discuss. Well, we're actually here to to do a bit of a deep dive on, on Monzo Ball, the news surrounding his knee, the fact that it's now been confirmed by a couple of sources over at ESPN. Um, uh, Ramona Shelburne today had a, a hit on TV, Jamal Collier as well, and, and Ramona last week, uh, I think it was last Friday, even dropped a, a bit of news around the status of, of Alonzo's knee. And more generally here, here on CHDO, we haven't really had a chance to I haven't really had a chance to discuss it, I guess, because uh, I think earlier in the week there was no show Monday because it was Labor Day over in the, in the US. The Tuesday show was um, pre-recorded, so obviously this news hadn't broken just yet. And, and uh, Dave caught up with Chuck Swirsky yesterday. So here we are, you and I will today. And I mean, we're a little late to the news, but I guess in some ways it doesn't really matter in the sense that this was kind of expected. So it's, it's all but being confirmed that Lonzo Ball will be essentially not ready to go for training camp, probably won't be ready to go for uh, the the preseason and most likely is expected to miss some time at the start of the regular season as to how long that will be. Obviously, that's is still up in the air, but nonetheless, Lonzo is in Chicago at the moment. They're doing a whole series of evaluations, trying to work out what the hell's actually going on with his knee. But nonetheless, whilst we try to work out what is happening with Lonzo and his knee? Uh, the, the, the news is, Will, that Lonzo is effectively missing a good chunk of uh, of time here over the next month or two, which is hugely disappointing, particularly the fact that he's been out essentially nine months almost to the day. Uh, in, in a week's time, at least, it'll be nine months. But 
yeah, we just still have no idea when this dude will be coming back to, to play basketball. And we've spent plenty of time talking about him and his importance over the last mm. however many months and weeks. Um, but just to backtrack a little bit. So Friday, uh, Friday news dump afternoon, Jamal mm-hmm. on, on the second. So this past Friday, uh, which is why we haven't had a chance to talk about it. Jamal Collier at ESPN and Ramona Shelburne posted a story that said that he, that Lonzo is not expected to participate in training camp and is doubtful for the start of the regular season. The Bulls continue their confidence that Ball's knee is structurally sound, but he's still having discomfort when wrapping up basketball activities. Um, he's seen multiple specialists and doesn't really seem like there is a um, determination mm. of what's going on right now. So yep. today, as a follow-up, uh, Ramona on ESPN said that he is in Chicago right now and doing a separate evaluation to decide how long they think he's going to be out. That's the Bulls um, doing sort of a an evaluation on Lonzo and trying to figure out a plan for him coming back. And he is quote, still not ready for the start of training camp and won't be ready for the start of the regular season. Mm -hmm. It's expected to miss some time even to start the regular season. So um, to me, this is in some ways very much non-news. Like we still, nobody ever said he was coming back. We, you know, we were just kind of left to assume um, that he, that that, you know, we know what's going on with his health. Obviously we don't, and the bulls don't seem to either. Um, but it's, yeah, like I said, it's not, it's not really news like AK and Billy both kind of, um, I think led on to this. And in retrospect, I think we should have probably taken those comments more seriously at summer league when they said, you know, he's not progressing as quickly as they would have hoped. So the bulls are without, without Lonzo to start the season. Um, and yeah, I mean, We've talked about it a lot, but like, what's your what's your initial reaction to this? Like, how big a deal is it? Well, uh, to to your point, like, I mean, technically, yes, it's news, but it, it, it doesn't feel like news because we've long expected this. So, if anything, it's more so a confirmation of expectations for those of us have, who have been reading between the lines. You, you made note of, you know, comments that AK have made, that Billy made over summer league. Like, those comments weren't that long ago, like six weeks ago, pretty much, and it didn't sound very positive at that time. Um, so, you know, we, we, we could read the lines we, between the lines. We can make a, uh, several informed assumptions. So I wasn't surprised, I guess. So it wasn't devastating in the sense that it wasn't devastating because it wasn't unexpected. So from that point of view, I've had, I've had enough time to mentally prepare what life without Lonzo may look like because it just seemingly was the way this was all going. And like you and I have discussed the, the importance around Lonzo or whether that you know, whether that has been overstated some, I, I am of the, of the belief that, you know, his impact has been overstated. That isn't to say he's not a, you know, a required player or he doesn't impact winning or any of sort of this nonsense because he clearly does. Um, but obviously we're going to find out the answer to that. But yeah, I, I guess my initial uh, feeling of it all was just, okay, cool. Like at least it's some somewhat com- confirmation of what I already assumed or, and thought would be the case. So I wasn't sad. I wasn't disappointed at any of that stuff because I've already already been through that mentally, I think, at this point. Yeah, I think I was still holding out a bit of hope just because, you know, there wasn't any there wasn't any of this news yet. Like this news that says, you know, he's not ready to start. And this is also I mean, we should clarify this is from ESPN reporting, not from the Bulls. The Bulls have not announced anything in association with Lonzo. Um Again, tea leaves, they signed Dragic. There's this report that Dragic said that the Bulls promised him 20 minutes a game. They bring in 
Malcolm Hill today on this two-way deal, you know, another six-six wing who can, you know, shoot the ball a little bit. All these things that are kind of trying to maybe prepare the Bulls, or as we've talked about before, sort of Lonzo-proof their roster. Where last year, I mean, they just like they lost Lonzo and they just had no way of responding to it. And so I think that's what I want to get in here to today. I want to get into here today is like, I mean, are we just like writing off the season? Is it going to be like try to tank and, you know, get inside that top four protected pick that, you know, the bulls of the magic. I don't think so. I think they'll be able to, to still, you know, continue to make a push and hopefully Lonzo is there for that stretch run. I think that's really the most important thing, but as far as like starting the season, obviously it hurts, but I think, you know, there's, there's a bunch of things that, that we can talk about here that sort of, I think, protect them a little bit from, or, or can insulate them from this sort of absence, which sounds like they have been preparing themselves for. Yeah. And look, I, I know I referenced it before, but I think they're in a much better position now to protect themselves from Alonzo injury compared to last season, because and look, I've talked about this before on the show, but like everyone likes to point that, you know, the minute Lonzo went down, everything else caved in around the Bulls, but that's just not factually correct. Like there were so many other things that happened around the team that led to that, you know, collapse halfway through last season and obviously into the playoffs. Like Caruso went down, you, you're missing Javante and uh, Derek Jones Jr. for games. Zach was clearly not even close to himself. So I, again, if those things were to repeat, then yes, we should expect something similar to what we experienced in the last 40 to 45 games of last season. But if Caruso is around, if Io takes a step, if you can get more out of Patrick Williams, if you're not necessarily losing Zach to a knee injury, then you're, you're in a much better position to withstand a, an, injury, an injury to Lonzo. Like, and, and again, that's why I feel like this is all being somewhat overstated. So I'm like, clearly Lonzo is a player the Bulls need. He The way he makes this whole thing work uh, this whole thing work you know it, it is important I'm, I'm not i'm not trying to undersell that at the same time but i i guess i'm just uh to 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 your uh you know your point there around like does does the season now just sort of fall away like i, I don't think so like maybe it does to some degree if Lonzo only plays like 20 or 30 games or something like that but we're, we're clearly not at that point where where we're expecting Lonzo to miss a good chunk of the season at this point all I'm really factoring in my mind, at least initially, is maybe the first few weeks of the season. We'll see how that progresses as we learn more. But um, based on the information and the variables at the moment, then I, I think the Bulls are in position to, to withstand this injury some. So it's not ideal. They're clearly not healthy going into the season. And this like puts an extra or an added question to the whole continuity thing to me, um, knowing the fact that you know a key piece to that whole continuity piece is not going to or most likely not going to be starting the season. But I don't, I don't think, you know, removing Lonzo from the rotation, in, at least initially, is a, the death knell to this season. And if it was, then, I mean, if Lonzo Ball is this critical to any basketball team, then your team has no chance of doing anything or not. Like it, I'm sorry, but like your fourth or fifth best starter shouldn't be this valuable to to your team. So if that is true, then your team is you're screwed from the jump. So I'm maybe I'm being naive or ignorant and, and under underestimating Lonzo's impact. But if each if he truly is that important, then this team isn't doing anything anyway. So I I, I just can't I just can't ration or come to that point from a rational sense that he is that important. I guess. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that I want to reemphasize. Um, and I kind of wrote like a rapid reaction uh, on my way out the door to dinner on Friday night when this news came out. 
which is that like, you know, this is not like LeBron going down and the Lakers season ending. It's, it's not even like, I don't know, like Anthony Davis going down and the Lakers season ending. Like Lonzo ball is a really good player and I've championed him as much as anyone over the last year. I think he's really important and valuable. And I think the Bulls basically built their defense around what he does. And I really think they uh, have an opportunity here to, to sort of change their philosophy a little bit. And this is what we've talked about before to where they are able to sort of withstand this absence because I, I'm going a little bit further than you on this. Like, I think there's a good chance he could miss the season. And I think, I, I don't think that's necessarily likely, but I really would be surprised if he's back like in October or November, just because like this, obviously this injury happened in mid January and we still like, don't, it's not like a situation where it's like, okay, now he's, you know, he's fixed and starting to ramp up and it'll be like three weeks before he's like playing games. Uh, they still don't know what's going on. His, his knee is still in pain when he ramps it up. And who, I don't even know what ramp up means. Like everybody just says ramp up all the time now. And uh, it's hard to know exactly what is going into that process. Yeah. But my point is I would be surprised if like to me, uh, a late October, mid November sort of target would be, he is like ready to go now and they're just trying to get him in shape. I think it's going to take a while. And I think even if he does come back, they're going to be super cautious with him because of how valuable he can be. As a result, I think they need to do a better job than they did last year of sort of preparing the team to be without him. And so I think it's almost important for them to just come into the season thinking like, look, anything we can get from Lonzo would be great, but like we kind of have to proceed as if he's not going to be there, certainly for the first half of the year. Because, you know, and I can't wait for all the trade deadlines. They didn't do anything, but we're getting Lonzo back. So that's like a, a trade acquisition right there. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I do think that does benefit them in some ways where they can sort of prepare for this ahead of time. Yeah. And look, I'll say this, like there's no good time for this to happen. But if there is a preferred time, <clears throat> then it's, you know, entering into training camp, entering into the regular season where you haven't played 20, 30, 40 games with Lonzo as your starting point guard. And then all of a sudden you have to remove him and, and change things on the fly. Like now, now you kind of know where things are at with him. You know, entering into the regular season and into the preseason that you're likely going to be without your starting point guard. So Billy, the coaches, the players themselves can use this time now to sort of start prepping themselves for a life without Lonzo and what that may look like. So in that sense, again, like I, I do think they are better placed to to get over this injury some because they don't necessarily have to scramble like they would have last season. And again, it wasn't that they just lost Lonzo. They lost their backup point guard too in Alex Caruso for a large chunk of last season, which threw Io into that starting role. And, you know, he did a really, a really good job for, for most of the time he did start. But now they're in a situation where hopefully, you know, Caruso is back and healthy. Like we have to remember as well, when Caruso came back last season, he was a shell of himself as well. He clearly wasn't ready to go, but he came back and played to try to salvage whatever was left of last season. So, you know, you're going to have Caruso, you're going to have Io, you've got Kobe still, you've, you've signed Dragic. Like you do have some options there. We talked about Zach Levine not too long ago about getting him some more on ball reps. There's Damar as well, who's clearly going to be a de facto point guard for this rotation too. So, if they can use this time now to sort of work out how this can all 
I guess, materialize without Lonzo, then I, I do think it is somewhat favorable, at least for this to happen now, then say in January, February of the of next year, like like it did last year. Like that's when it's really problematic and it's it's really hard for a team to adjust. Whereas now you, you can you can try to find a way around it. And with someone like Lonzo, like you can just plug and play when he does return. Like he can come off the bench, he can start, he can he'll find a way to fit in based on his on his uh, skills and traits. So like from that perspective, I actually think this is probably it's not the right time, but if, if I had to tr- pick a time, Lil, like this is when I would want it to happen. Yeah, like you said, I mean, there's never a good time for this kind of thing. And I think what's frustrating about it for me is like similar to the Kendrick Nunn situation in Los Angeles. I mean, it's just it, it's there's continued um, just uncertainty about how far away he is from being able to come back. And when we get these like sort of you know, these, these reports from like outside sources as in like, not from the bulls who like, by the way, probably don't know anything either and are just like guessing as much as it sounds like Lonzo is, but the fact that there's just so much uncertainty about it, I think is what makes me feel like they should just prepare for life without him. And if you're going to do that, like getting into training camp is the time to do it. So like you said, I mean, this does, in, in a lot of ways, put into perspective for me signing Goran Dragic. He's been balling out in um, Eurobasket uh, with Luca playing with the Slovenian team. Uh, he's actually been playing really well. I haven't admittedly watched a ton of it, but like his numbers are great. He's shooting, you know, over fifty percent from the field, fifty percent on threes, um, and just like making an impact as far as like pushing the pace, getting into the teeth of the the defense, and like making things happen the way that he has you know, when he was really successful in his days with the heat. Um, So I think he probably is going to have to step up and play a bigger role. Obviously we'll talk about IO a lot. I think he um, got thrown into a position last year that he was pretty much unprepared for and did really well Mm -hmm. and having a summer to get himself in the right sort of shape and condition uh, to work on his shooting. And, um, you know, you mentioned something else with, you know, decision-making in terms of like who to start there. And and I want to talk more in depth about that too, but like, I really don't think the bulls are in need of like a point guard right now. Um, So like whether it's Dragic or Ayo or Caruso or Kobe white getting minutes, like I don't think they need somebody who's going to like run a ton of pick and roll because that's not what Lonzo does. He is like you said, a plug and play three and D guy who can move the ball really well and, you know, help, you know, get the defense, moving side to side in that way. But I don't think they're going to like go out on the free agent market and try to find like a, I mean, I guess Dragic is sort of like the closest thing to that. All this to say, I think they have some flexibility and to me, it's going to be more play style changes than it is, you know, finding the right player. Like I was sort of having a debate with somebody on Twitter today about who will start, whether it's Dragic or Io or Caruso um, or even Kobe. Like I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't guess that would happen, but like, I also wouldn't throw it out entirely because he's the one guy out of that group that can actually shoot reliably. So again, to me, it's about play style changes. And um, I think that's why this idea of like coming in during training camp and having time to like sort of recreate your identity, understanding that Lonzo is not going to be there is super important. Yeah, I hundred percent agree, and that, and that's the fortunate thing here. Like they, they've got time to plan, they've got time to mess around with things, you've got time to try to work yourself through it all. Um, whereas 
you know, in the heat of a regular season where, you know, you lose a player on, on one night and then all of a sudden next night you're flying to a different city because you have to go up against team ABC in whatever city it may be and you have to sort of just adjust on the fly. Like there's just less scope to, to really get around it. So in that sense, I do think the Bulls are so much more better positioned to, to handle this and um, it's not ideal. Clearly we want Monzo playing because he's, he's one of their best players one of their most important players, one of their few two-way players. So clearly he does have value and obviously makes the Bulls better. But uh, yeah, I just think that they're more equipped to handle this type of injury. And, and like I said before at the top, like we, we kind of had to knew this is where this thing was heading. Like this was meant to be a six to eight week injury from memory of when it, from when it first occurred. When we're, we're now in September, like if you didn't already have it in your mind that Lonzo probably wasn't going to be ready for this for the start of the season, then like, I, I, I guess I just have to question like, what, what have you been listening to? What have you been reading to? Are, are you just being naive? All that sort of stuff. Cause this is where it was always heading, unfortunately. And now that we kind of know then then fine. Like now we know, now we understand how we pivot and uh, we'll get into that a little bit more. Well, in terms of how the Bulls should go about, yeah, trying to find a way to, to navigate life without Lonzo, at least for, for the initial parts of the season. But first, well, I want to tell the, our friends and our listeners about points bet, this football season, Points Bet is bringing you a better way to bet on live games. Before this ad is over, Will, you can you can head over to Points Bet and place a live same game par- parlay. Bet on the next drive to be a touchdown and cash out on your live second half over bet. With Points Bet, you have access to more live football markets than ever before. And for me, Will, as we've noted, I am a big, big football fan. Can't wait to the start of this NFL season. Justin Fields, I, I, I'm tipping he's going to have a big season. I can just feel it. So I'm going to be heading over to Points Bet and I'm going to be building the perfect live same gay parlay by, parlay by combining your favorite bets anytime during the games, including spreads, totals, player props, and more. You can choose the outcome of the next drive and next points with Points Bet Lightning Bets. So whether you're on the move or on the couch, do it live on PointsBet. You can do so by downloading the PointsBet app today and sign up with the code CHGO to get your first two bets risk-free up to $2,000. What an offer, William. And I can just I can just see it into week one that you know Justin Fields is going to be throwing these spirals. He's going to be throwing it to whoever that wide receiver is, whoever the Bears wide receiver is. And it's going to be so many scores and running the ball over the line, touchdowns, touchdown Bears. I'm glad you learned what a spiral is. Now you can start to, <laughs> to learn about who some of the wide receivers are. Every and week when you find out, one, uh, when you find out, please let me know because I also don't. <laughs> well, no, we got that, a big season coming for Darnell Mooney, Byron that's Pringle, Bayless Jones. We got some guys. They'll they'll be all right. I think yeah, yeah. the the media is just trying to prepare. You know, they're trying to reverse jinx the Bears right now. I think everybody thinks they're going to suck and they're going to be kind of good. That's what I'm hoping. And I now want to tell you about one of my favorite products that sponsors us here at the show, AG1 Athletic Greens. Uh, I started taking it when we first signed this partnership right in the early days of CHGO because I wanted to get my 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods probiotics, prebiotics, and the adaptogens. Uh, It's a special special blend of ingredients that supports my gut health, nervous system, immune system, and helps aid recovery, focus, and aging. Um, Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews from professional athletes and normal folks like me who love it and take it every day. So for just $3 a day, 
You can reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you guys a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash CHGO Bulls. That's athleticgreens.com slash CHGO Bulls to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Yes, indeed. And I can, uh, I, I'm looking at, well, we, people can't, uh, obviously this is an audio only episode, but um, you're looking very spry and full of life, Will. So I'm putting that down to um, the Athletic Greens and obviously the fact that the Bears, Bears football is back this week. So you're, uh, there's an extra pep in your step, I can tell. My girlfriend just got really sick with like a, a flu type of thing. And I think the reason I haven't gotten it yet is just because of the, the immune supporting vitamin D that I get from my athletic greens every day. Well, that and you're, that and you're the goat, but uh, yeah, hopefully your, uh, <laughs> your missus there is um, better soon. So yeah, shout out to her and hopefully she's healthy soon. But speaking of another unhealthy person, <laughs> um, how's that for a segue? Uh, well, back to Lonzo Ball. I mean, we were talking about the news and, and the, the fact that it's, it's been somewhat confirmed there that's, you know, the Bulls are going to be without Lonzo through training camp, through probably the preseason maybe, and maybe the, the start of the regular season. We'll see how that shakes out. But nonetheless, as we sort of started alluding to, like now is the time for the Bulls to start planning on a life without Lonzo or at least trying to figure out how do they how do they get by without Lonzo. So I, I guess, Will, I want to spend the next maybe half an hour, whatever it may be, talking about how the Bulls navigate this. And obviously, it's a this is now the point of discussion now that we know Lonzo is not probably going to be ready like now we know we can start having these conversations there's no what ifs like okay cool this is what we have to do at this point like even if Lonzo is somewhat you know if, if the knee starts feeling better towards the start of the regular season like you, you mentioned the word ramp up before but like he he physically won't be ready to go most likely even if his knee is feeling okay like there will be a, a, a ramp up required so he, he probably won't be fit and ready to go but uh the start of the regular season anyway so what do they do in this sense? Like, what are their options? And from your perspective, at least, if you were in Billy Donovan's shoes, like, where would you be going uh, initially, at least? Yeah, I think for me, so they've got sort of this, like, three or four guard backcourt that they can look to. So obviously, we're going to assume here that Zach, Damar, Patrick, and Vooch are starting, and that just this point guard position is going to open up. So the options are Caruso, who I think probably makes the most sense just given the fact that he's like the best player out of the group. He's the best defensive player. Um, He adds this element of just like being able to reliably bring the ball up that I think we all kind of saw and missed during the playoffs. Um, And, you know, I think, I mean, it's just, he's the best player. He's the best defensive player. You're talking about a group that really I think is limited defensively, Patrick included, and you might need somebody to sort of anchor that. Um, I'm not sure that I'm ready to go there, though, with Caruso. Um, As far as a starter, I really like him off the bench, somebody that can come in and be sort of a supplement to whether it's DeMar or Zach, whoever is still on the court after their first, um, you know, stretch of minutes last year. It was DeMar staying in, Zach getting the first bench and then coming back in in the second quarter to spell DeMar. I think Caruso works well in that role. Obviously wouldn't like hate it if he starts. I think, like I said, he's the best player and that makes a lot of sense. But I think balancing out those rotations a little bit more might make some sense. And so 
that leaves you with Dragic, Io, and Kobe. I don't think Kobe is really the guy for this role. They clearly need shooting in the starting lineup, but you have Vooch, you have Patrick, you have Zach around Damar, and I think that's probably your lineup with the most shooting. Um, so I could see, you know, the Bulls going with probably Io or Dragic. And then, you know, Dragic, I think, is somebody that's going to be more of a, a bench gunner. I think he's like, able to run the uh, the offense a little bit more than Io, which is fine. I think that's just like sort of natural role. Uh, but I like what Io is able to do as sort of like the best of, you know, the, the lesser of all evils, I guess, where he's able to defend at a high level. He can shoot the ball at a high enough level. He can facilitate and run some pick and roll if he needs to, but won't really have to worry about that playing next to Zach and Damar. So I kind of like Io in that role. I don't know. Is that crazy? No. And I think there's only two correct answers in this, and it's either Io or Caruso. I, I, it's certainly not Kobe. He, I've, I've always been adamant that Kobe is not a point guard. There's no reason to think otherwise now, and not to suggest that his role when he, in the starting unit would be to be a, a playmaking type of point guard, at least. Like that certainly wouldn't be the case. But nonetheless, like I, I just don't think it's feasible to start Kobe, a below-average defender next to Zach Vooch and Demar, who at best are average defenders on a good day, which is not always the case. So I, I don't think that's feasible. Um, I would not be starting Dragic because one, he's 35, 36 years of age, and yes, he's been guaranteed a, a whole bunch of minutes. And yeah, okay, he's playing well in Europe at the moment, but so did uh, Tomas Sadaransky. He looked like a completely different player in Europe compared to the player that we saw during the, the regular season. And I would prefer him coming off the bench in a scoring-type, lead-guard-type role, which is probably something yeah, he's better totally suited agree. to anyway, rather than starting next to Demar and Zach, where he'll inevitably have to be off the ball more, more of a low usage guy. And that's just not his game. Like he's a, he's a pick and roll, uh, a pick and roll type of weapon. And he just won't be in those scenarios often playing next to Zach and, and, uh, and Demar. So in that sense, those two guys for me just aren't an option. So then it becomes a, a question of, all right, well, is it Io or Caruso? And you could talk to me, you could talk me into either option, to be honest with you. Um, I lean Caruso because I want that kind of, level of manic defense at the point of attack with Lonzo out. Like I want that in there with this particular unit. And I think that's important, particularly because, you know, Zach, Demar, Vooch, even Pat, like they're, they're all kind of laconic guys. Like they're not overly verbal guys, not guys that are going to necessarily uh, speak up or get into it defensively or set the tone with their aggression in that sense. So I kind of like, the idea of having Caruso in there just to give those guys a bit of a jolt and and at least take that take that piece of um, you know responsibility away from those guys so they don't have to necessarily think about that they can you know in that sense uh, Caruso can just be the dog in that sense so I, I, I am leaning Caruso whereas Io like if you put Io in that role like he's again a very quiet timid uh, somewhat laconic guy as well from a personality point of view so. I just don't like necessarily the mix in terms of that if things go the wrong way. Whereas if you've got Caruso on there out there barking at these dudes, then um, I kind of like that. Whereas, you know, the, whereas having Io in there, I don't think makes sense. So I, I lean Caruso, but having said that, Io filled in ad- admirably when he started at point guard. He did a very good job. I think he's going to have a really good season. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm tipping Io is going to be an t- extremely valuable player for the Bulls coming up in this in this in this sophomore season, but. To me, I, I think I just I like had the- a yeah. Go ahead. I just had a, another interesting idea. You can tell me if I'm crazy. Okay. What about Javante? 
Uh, <laughs> nah, here's my like thought it. process. Tell because it, yeah, like I, I said, it. like I said, whoever it is, is not going to be like really doing much in the form of creating offense, bringing up the mm-hmm. ball, running mm-hmm. pick and roll. What they need is shooting and defense in this role. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know why, but I have it in my head that I want Caruso off the bench just to like bring that sort of um, that level <laughs> of play as honestly like an offensive player, but also, you know, obviously a, a defensive uh, point of attack specialist. Um, but you kind of get some of that with Javante. Obviously, he shot the ball really well in the first half of last season and really poorly in the second half but he gives you that ability to guard up and guard down. Um, I think you just have a little bit more defensive versatility than you would with maybe not IO, but just about anybody else you could throw in there. Um, I think it's unlikely, but I, it's an interesting idea to like sort of put uh, uh, Javante in at the point of attack, somebody that can switch with Patrick one through four and um, you know, continues to let uh, DeMar and Zach worry about offense and not about defense while hopefully, you know, going back a little bit more towards that first half shooting split where he was like close to, you know, 45 or almost 50%, I think on corner threes for a stretch there. So I don't know. I don't think it's likely. Um, I do wonder how they're going to get him minutes. Cause like, if you think about it in terms of, you know, it's not, it's nice to think about it in terms of what you want your starting five to be, but like, and and I don't think you're going to be playing very many like full on five man bench units, but like Mm -hmm. the five man bench unit that they have right now is Dragic, Kobe, uh, assuming you're starting one of Caruso or IO, the other one, mm-hmm. uh, Javante, Derek Jones and Andre Jones. Drummond. So it's like mm-hmm. six, six, seven guys, none of mm-hmm. whom are big, none of whom can shoot the ball at a high level, uh, with the exception of maybe Kobe, although I think he's still pretty inconsistent. Um, so I don't know. I think just like having the flexibility to mix and match there could make some sense. I don't think it's likely but I don't hate it. I like it better, I'll, I'll say, than I like Kobe starting or even Dragic. Yeah, look, the problem with the, the Javante idea, and look, I love Javante. Everyone knows that at this point, but you're forcing him to guard point guards at that point because Levine can't do it. DeMar can't do it. Pat certainly can't guard up to a point guard level. So Javante is going to need to guard point guards. And I don't think he's – I actually prefer Javante guarding bigger dudes than, than smaller guys. So in that sense – agreed. It puts him into a. It puts the team's defensive structure in a, in a bit of a little bit of a bind in that sense because you don't have an obvious person to guard the guard. Whereas with Caruso or Ayer, you know that they're getting the the lead matchup, and we've seen them have success against a Trey Young or Darius Garland or insert whatever point guard you want. So in that sense, I kind of like the idea of it being Ayer or Caruso because you know, irrespective of the lineup, whether it's a starter or the the bench unit, like. Io and Caruso have some overlap, so you kind of know what you're getting from the point guard position from that perspective. Like, if it's Caruso starting, then you've got a, a reasonable facsimile of Caruso in your second unit with with Io, at least in terms of what you're going to expect from them defensively. Io won't be as good as Caruso, but you could put him into a similar role. And then, you know, thinking about that more generally, obviously Kobe's not Levine, but he'll be that scoring guard uh, or that jump shooting guard. Dragic can play that lead role in their second unit in the same way DeMar plays that lead role in the first unit. You know, Pat and Javante, again, are not the same player, but you know, they would feel maybe similar roles. And, and, and again, Andre Drummond and Vucevic aren't the same player either, but they would operate from the same areas of the court. So 
to me, I, 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 I don't think the Javante option is one that's feasible, nor do I think Dragic and Kobe is that either. I think it's, it's, I think it's just a matter of preference, whether it's Caruso or I. I start, uh, I start Caruso for the reasons that I, I mentioned, but like I said, I, you can talk me into I.O., but yeah, I, I think I think they're the only two reasonable options. And and in that sense, I think if the Bulls do have Caruso and Io ready to go and they're healthy and Io takes the step that I think he can take, then as I said from the top, like they're in such better shape to to to, to uh, you know handle the absence of Lonzo because it wasn't just Lonzo that they lost last season. It was Caruso as well. I've said this a million times. And then they've had to be forced into a situation where they threw a rookie IO out there and they threw a rookie IO out there because they didn't even really want to go to Kobe. So it was like a, a last resort type thing. And, you know, thankfully he, he really played really well in that role, but um, given what he's done in his rookie season and, you know, what I expect in, in year two, I, I think they are, you know, well-placed to handle this injury. And, and I guess something I wanted to touch on, Will, like this idea that Dragic is Lonzo insurance, like, or that the fact that you can, overcome Lonzo's injury via committee. Like, it's just complete nonsense. There's no way to do that. Like, yes, I understand Kobe can bring maybe uh, the the shooting volume that you lose with Lonzo, and maybe Dragic can give the transition game that you lose in Lonzo, and maybe Caruso can give you the defensive impact and more than what Lonzo brought. So in that sense, you can fill in aspects of what he brought. But the fact that you get all of that in one player is the reason why you can never replace him or there is no Lonzo insurance. So this whole idea that Dragic or Caruso or insert whoever player is insurance for for Lonzo, it's just, it's just nonsense because that doesn't exist. So it's just a narrative that's been going around and it, it bothers me. There, there is no way you can replace Lonzo because of the fact that he is seemingly one of the few two-way players on the roster. So it's not about replacing or having insurance with, for Lonzo. It's about how do we live without Lonzo? How do we play differently without Lonzo? Because there is no insurance for him. There is no way around getting around the fact that you're losing your highest volume three-point shooter and you're probably your best two-way player. Yeah, I think... You know, I'm going to give you another baseball analogy here, which I, I know you're going to love. Oh, I love but it's sort of like they have a bunch of, you know, setup men, like late inning relievers who are all specialists, but like none of them are all around starter caliber players like, you know, who can throw, give you six, seven innings the way Lonzo can. So they, they bring in guys like Dragic, who like does one thing well, which is like pick up the pace, uh, get downhill a little bit, assuming he's still able to do that and hopefully give you some shooting. You've got Caruso, who's like very defense forward, who obviously is the best of the bunch. We all know this um, and provides you the most all around game, but he's also so much of a fixture at this point that he's like, I wouldn't even really throw him in this group. Like he's playing at least 28 minutes a night, regardless of Lonzo's health. Uh, Mm. But IO, I think is another one who's just like sort of middle relief right now. And maybe he can, you know, improve to the point where he can, you know, be uh, a full-time starter. And I'm, I'm not ruling that out by any means, but Kobe's giving you the shooting. And so the, all these guys just like have different, it's going to be a by committee thing in the sense that like, you know, they're just looking for attributes at this point. So like in moments where they need shooting, they can go to Kobe in moments where they need defense, they can go to Caruso in moments where they need, you know, where Caruso is sitting down and they need defense and a little bit of shooting, they can go to IO, that sort of thing. Um, and I think that is really like that. That's where to me, the only sort of, and again, I agree with you. I wouldn't even call it like a insurance kind of situation, but that's where this element of playing with pace is something that I think Dragic can give you 
that is, you know, obviously a huge part of Lonzo's game. So in moments where they want to try to get on transition and get some easier points, maybe that's when you go to him or maybe he becomes this, this sort of veteran leader who can uh, direct traffic with some of the younger guys, as far as um, like getting them in their spots while maybe Caruso or I'm sorry, while Damar is out. Like, I think, there's some world if there's enough defense around them where Dragic makes Zach a little bit better because he's playing with pace and can kind of set him up and get him the ball in his spots sort of thing. Um, So I think it's going to be sort of about all these guys giving you their strengths at certain points and Billy Donovan trying to like hide and mask their weaknesses throughout points of the game, depending on when they need it. So if it's like a tight game uh, against a team that you really need a point of attack defender late game curses in there, right? Um, but like I said, I mean, it's, it's also a situation where like, if you have a bunch of guys, you don't really have one guy, so they're just going to need to do what they can with all these guys. And I think they've added, um, enough, maybe not enough, but some of each of these different skills and elements from Lonzo's game that they're going to need at certain points throughout the course of a game or, you know, stretch of games. I, I take your point, but at the same time, like I always think about it through the prism of closing sort of six, seven minutes when you got your best five out there, like, okay, you may need volume shooting out there in, in one instance, but that, that works okay on the offensive end. So you, you bring in Kobe for uh, several possessions, but then what happens offensively? Because you've got Kobe out there with presumably Vooch, Demar and, uh, and, and Levine. And that's problematic to the, the point where you go, okay, well, I need Caruso or Io in there. So I'm going to have to sub one of them in and then, it's like, okay, well, we don't necessarily have a lot of shooting. Maybe we don't have a lot of transition opportunities happening at this point. Okay, we'll I have to sub in Dragic now. Like, you, there isn't a point at that point in those scenarios whereby you can lean on one of these guys to replicate all of what Lonzo can do. Yes, they can, you know, three or four guys, you know, if you package them up can through the, the course of 48 minutes can give you bits and pieces of what Lonzo can do. Like, I totally agree with you in terms of what you said about Dragic and particularly like backup units in second quarters or the start of fourth quarters or some scenarios like that, then yeah, okay, I, I can understand that. But like in closing moments, ultimately Billy's going to have to pick who his dude is, like who he wants to be, who his closing point guard is going to be and just have to live with the fact that whoever it is, he's not going to be bringing something and or certainly won't be bringing a complete aspect of it that, that Lonzo can. And like that's just that's just this, the, the reality situation. Whoever's in place of Lonzo is is likely going to be taking off something off the table. It's just who who takes off the least, I guess. So that's the way I'm yeah, looking and at I, it. So, yeah. I totally agree with that. And like, you know, we've been talking about this through the lens of who's starting and who is giving yeah. you minutes throughout the course of the game. I honestly don't, I mean, you know, this changes when Lonzo is back, but like there's not a question about who's closing games, right? It's mm, going to yeah. be Caruso, Levine, DeRozan, Williams and Vucevic and if for some reason they want to go really small uh or sub in a little extra shooting or whatever they can like mix and match a little bit but like mm-hmm. I I 100% agree with you that like their best five is their best five that's the case and like those are the guys that are going to be playing important minutes in the fourth quarter but I think throughout the course of a game if you want to jump start the offense a little bit and play with pace maybe that's where you look to Dragic or if you just need to get some shooting in there because the they look like they did in the playoffs against the Bucks. Uh, you put in Kobe or something like that. Um, obviously, you're right that they're not going to be able to find Alonzo replacement because mm-hmm. there aren't very many guys in the NBA who can do exactly what Lonzo does. He's a super yeah. unique, um, 
super unique player with super unique skill set and does it at such a high level. And that's what makes him great. But I think they have, and, and this is where I go back to this idea of like insulating themselves against Lonzo of like having some of his skill sets um, reflected in some of the other players on the roster. And I think, you know, maybe I should have been thinking more carefully about this and I'm not saying I think Dragic is like the answer by any means, but it does make a little bit more sense for the bulls to sign him given that now we know Alonzo is going to be missing a ton of time because they do need somebody who can get up and down and direct traffic a little bit. They don't really have that as a backup player or, you know, somebody who's not Damar. So I like that they did that. Obviously the price was cheap. It sucks that they couldn't make, you know, a bigger move that would, take their ceiling, I think, to a higher level. But uh, as far as insulating, I think that's where you're looking to sort of limit the floor falling through, which is obviously what happened last year. And through parts of Dragic's game and parts of Io's game and Caruso's and Kobe's game, I think you can sort of string together enough to where, um, you know, it doesn't absolutely kill you over the course of a 25 game stretch where you go, you know, eight and 15 and fall from the first seed down to the sixth seed and, you know, whimper out of the playoffs. Yeah, look, uh, the 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 uh, Dragic signing makes more sense now through the prism of Lonzo's not playing maybe the first however many games, but at some point, obviously, we want Lonzo back. We want him playing 50, 60, preferably 70 games. Um, and at that point, there is going to be a roster squeeze. There's going to be a, a, a rotational squeeze. So, you know, at, at at some point we want we want to get back to normality to, to best case scenarios and that obviously involves Lonzo. So where Dragic fits in, in the mix from that point of view, like that's still an open question mark and I don't think it's something we can forget about. And just more generally, like he hasn't played a lot of basketball uh you know, over the last 12, 18 months in the NBA. He's getting older. Um we just need to see it, I guess. Yeah, um, I don't we'll th- see what it I don't like. think I'm not really that concerned about like, I guess what the way I'm thinking about this is like last year, we use this example all the time of like Javante is playing 24 minutes a night yeah, and yeah. he's doing a great job. But like, this is not his role. He's like a, you know, 12 minutes a night kind of guy where he can give you what he does best in bursts. And like, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be true with Drogic. And so like, and even like Drummond to a certain extent behind Vooch or Derek Jones, like it's just a bunch of different options that they can go to where if you're just relying on Javante to play 30 minutes a night for the entire season, like, you know, you've already lost because he just can't do that. And because if, if that's the way your roster is constructed, constructed, then like, you're just not built to go very far. So um, once you get all your players back, okay, deal with it fine. But I think just looking at this through the lens of like, they're going to be missing guys. You need to also have depth to backfill it. And then once the, once the top end talent comes in, then you figure out the rest of it later. Yep, agreed, agreed. So, uh, Will, before we continue talking about this topic, I want to tell our listeners about our new friends, Pins and Aces. So, Will, do you know I'm an avid golf player? I did not know that. Well, you did not know that because I'm lying because I'm not. (laughs) But nonetheless, I'm going to pretend I am. I was surprised to hear you say that. For the sake of this ad read, let's pretend I am a good and uh, avid golf player because in in that sense, um, if I were, Will, Pins and Aces is the official golf apparel partner that I would be using because they are the official golf partner of CHGO. 
Here at CHGO, we love our pins and aces gear and get tons of compliments on and off the course, as, as I do, Will, in my, in my fictitious scenario when I'm on the golf course. People are often complimenting me about my aces, uh, pins and aces gear. Pins and aces, for those that don't know, is a family-owned golf and apparel business that makes amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and beer sleeves that allows you to store your seven beers right inside your golf, your golf bag and keeps drinks cold the entire round. So I check think we've out. discovered why you've become a, an avid golfer. The beers? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not much of a beer drinker either, so I'm not sure if that's the case. But nonetheless, folks, if you are a beer drinker, if you are a golfer and you want to get your hands on some sweet apparel, head over head over to uh, pinsandaces.com. Use promo code CHGO to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. That's pinsandaces.com. Use promo code CHGO. All righty, back to the conversation around Lonzo. So the, the way I've been thinking about this, Will, like in, and connecting to the topics there around this idea that, you know, Caruso or Godragic or IO, whoever it may be, is, is Lonzo, Lonzo insurance. Like whilst I completely disagree with that idea, like to me, the way you get Lonzo insurance is by getting what he does from the guys that you're going to be leaning on the most. And what I mean by that is, all right, you're losing, you're losing Lonzo's defense, you're losing Lonzo's shooting, you lose, you're losing Lonzo's ability to push in transition to be that secondary tertiary creator. All right, yeah, okay, cool. Like the, your role guys who may or may not be closing games can give you some of that. But what can I get from that aspects of basketball from guys like Demar, Vooch, Pat, and Levine? Like those dudes are going to be on the court for let's just call it at least thirty minutes a game. Some will be more, some will be less. Um, but they're going to be the guys who are likely closing games, who are likely going to be figuring in all your best lineups. So if there's any way that I can get any facsimile or any insurance from what Lonzo provides, and you know what we can get out of Lonzo his traits when he's not there, then how can I get that stuff from those core four guys, let's call them. And from my perspective, like there's just not any excuses anymore for for Zach Levine to be shooting, you know, four threes a game, for example, that needs to be eight a game. Like that's where some of the three point volume needs to come from. For whatever reason, his three point volume wasn't where I hoped it would be last season. Um, We spoke about Levine uh, not too long ago. And the fact that we would love to see more in a catch and shoot type role, but like, that's where you can get meaningful uh, replacement of, of Lonzo's shooting because I can't count on Kobe being in my key lineups. I can't count on being in my closing lineups. So therefore, I can't count on his shooting volume or his three-point percentage, but I can with Zach because I know he's going to be on the floor. Similarly, with like ball handling and tertiary creation, like if there was ever an opportunity for Patrick Williams to develop those on-ball reps, then now is the time. It doesn't have to be in the primary option, but like, we talk about uh, Lonzo being that connecting piece whereby the ball swings, he's in the middle and he you know, finds the next guy. Then Pat now has that opportunity. Um, I, you know, I've been adamant against this idea of just force feeding him reps, but in some senses now it's not force feeding him because we know Lonzo is not going to be there. This is an actual opportunity for him to get more on-ball reps. And similarly, like with the shooting thing, like we can talk about uh, Vooch's ineffectiveness last season in terms of volume and and, and three-point percentage, but that needs to go up, both volume and percentage. And in terms of transition, like yes, Lonzo is a I want to hammer home the I want to hammer home the three-point thing before we move on to transition because like I've been screaming this from the rooftops and it could not be more true. 
Zach was at seven three-point attempts per game last year, uh, down a full attempt from the year after that. Uh, mm-hmm. I know his three his total field goal attempts went down by about two and a half just by the fact that you know he's playing alongside mm-hmm. more guys. But like, I I want him to be at twenty field goals a game, and I want ten of them to be three pointers. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't think that's crazy. And you can throw in the you know true. Uh, true shooting attempts, which is basically just like trips to the free throw line on top of that. Like he should be getting the line five and a half times. He should be shooting 10 threes and he should be getting, you know, 20 field goal attempts per game. Um, I really don't see a reason for him to not do that. Uh, I want to see him become somebody that the bulls look to more off the ball, as you said, like, and it's not just like put him in a clay Thompson role where he's just like running around catching and shooting threes. But like, I do think that needs to be a, a decently, important part of his game because like they just they don't have anybody else who can do it and zach is like one of the best in the league at it and i think he should get more shots anyway like his Mm -hmm. his uh you know field goal attempt volume went down last year like he's 27 he's in his prime he just got this max contract like he should be a more uh prominent fixture of the offense uh with and without damar so i i really agree there vooch um i believe his three-point attempt volume went down by two uh, attempts per game this past season. And a lot of that I think had to do with his um, just the fact that he was like in his head. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in 2020, 2021, he shot 6.3 attempts per game last year, 5.4. So like, that's not enough. I think he should be around eight, honestly. Uh, that's where he was in the Bucks series. And I understand that like, if he's not feeling himself and he's not uh, shooting at a high level, that's going to shrink a little bit. But like, it's just so important that he's getting those shots up and um same patrick he like took a a three and a half that's going to be three four maybe five per game like they just need to shoot more volume i think that will make life easier um and there are going to be games where it doesn't go in and there are going to be games where it does but like they just they need to shoot more otherwise like they're just at this complete deficit because they are playing mid-range offense they aren't defending and they're not shooting threes. Like it's just very difficult to win like that in today's NBA. So they need to maximize what they have. What they have is great mid-range scoring presence in Demar. They need to give him as much space as possible, and they need to capitalize when they get the ball and not pass up threes uh, and just like try to elevate the offensive variance that way because they just were in too many low-scoring games and they don't have the defensive um, like they aren't the same defensive caliber team that can like win in those scenarios anymore. Yeah, completely agree. And like on the shooting gap fact, like Zach is in my mind, one of the best shooters in the NBA. Um, And the fact that he's a career 39% shooter from three, it's not like in your mind, he is like, this is a fact. He is one of the best shooters in the NBA. Fair enough. But like the fact that he's a 39% career shooter and the volume of that is mostly on pull-ups just by nature of who the Bulls have been and the fact that he's had to be on ball so much. There's just so much more scope in terms of what he can be as a shooter whilst he's already one of the best shooters, as you note, one of the most efficient scorers in the NBA. So there's just no reason for him to be shooting like a 40% three-point three attempt rate. Like that needs to be up to 50%, as you noted. Like half his shots need to be threes. Similarly with Vooch and Patrick Williams, their three-point attempt rate last season was near identical. Like, 28% of their offense was from the three-point line, which is fascinating given that, you know, so many, so much of the narrative around Vooch was how ineffective and how 
you know, terrible he was from the three-point line, but like so much of his offense isn't generated from the three-point line at this point, at least from an attempts point of view. But like, there's just no reason in any way or facet at all that Patrick Williams should be shooting only, you know, 28% of his field goals from three. Like that needs to be 40, 40%. And I, I know this idea that maybe he's better on ball or he's not a natural three and D guy or, or whatever, but like, I don't care like if, if that's not his natural role. Like he, a part of, That has to be somewhat of his role on this team just by the configuration of this team, just more generally. But with the fact that you are now without Lonzo, you need to find a way to recoup some of these threes. So if, you, if Zach can get you two more threes a game, if you can get more two, uh, more, uh, you know, two, let's call it two three-point three attempts from Vooch uh, additional there, and maybe three more a game from, from Patrick Williams, then that's how you cover the absence of, of Lonzo's um, three-point attempts. Similarly, with the defense, like, I'm sorry, but like DeMar, Vooch, and, and, and Levine, you, you're going to have to be better on that end. Uh, uh, that's just the way it is. Then there's no excuses of that, like particularly Pat. Um, like uh, we, we can talk about whether how realistic it is that Levine, Vooch, and um, DeMar get better on that end. They have to get better. But now again, like Pat, you need to be a real defensive stopper. We need you with Caruso to be the stoppers in those units. So that's how you replace Lonzo's defense. It's not by, you know, inserting whoever it may be off the bench. And the transition aspect, maybe that's the one that you can't necessarily replace more generally. But again, we've, we've spoken about it before, but like if you're closing more defensive possessions with misses or forcing misses, then more generally you're getting the rebound, you're getting an opportunity to get into transition. So you may not be able to throw, you know, uh, look ahead passes or, or full court passes in the same way that Lonzo does. But if you're finishing possessions with misses, then you can still get onto secondary uh, transition opportunities and still get some scores in that from that point of view. If your defense sucks, then obviously you can there's no way you can get into transition. But if you're playing respectable defense because you've got Caruso out there, Pat's taking a step defensively, Zach, Damar, and Vooch are at least being adequate, then you can be a, a an average to an above average defense with this with this unit. We saw that they could be. Um, last year's, last season when they were top 10 for, for a good chunk of the season. Obviously, that was with Lonzo and Caruso, but nonetheless, that was without Pat you know, and, and Io taking the step on factoring that in. So, like, from my point of view, Will, like, I think there is a way to replace Lonzo, and I don't think the answer is with it coming from bits and pieces from Dragic, Io, and Kobe. I think it's from just getting more out of your, your top guys. Yeah, and I think, like I said, um, I don't remember when, but, like, I think a lot of it is, is going to come more from like stylistic changes and less from like, you know, let's go and get, you know, Dragic 30 minutes a game here because we want to get him. We want to get the bulls playing in transition. So um, I think there is some room to bank on internal growth from IO. I'm hopeful that Dale and Terry can play sort of a similar role to Lonzo in terms of just like getting up and down in transition, being a good ball mover and attacking the basket opportunistically uh he's got a ways to go on his jump shot i'm not sure he's going to be able to give you too much there this year but um it's just like all these guys are going to have to step up and be better and i think you know as we sort of touched on there at the end like it's not just the point guards the backup point guards the third string point guards like zach and damar and vooch are going to have to take on a lot of this burden too and it comes in the form of being a little bit better and more stable defensively and um, and sort of like we've talked about before, sort of adjusting the defensive scheme a little bit so that it's not so hyper, you know, 
get get in passing lanes and get live dribble or live uh, live ball turnovers and get out in transition, they're going to have to be a little bit more careful, going to have to keep guys in front of them and going to have to play a little bit better help defense. And that's going to come from guys like Io and Patrick and Dylan Terry getting better and for, for Zach and Damar and Vooch uh, to just like, you know, do their jobs a little bit more carefully than what they did in the past. Um, I think the the three point thing though, for me is like the biggest one. And I think honestly that can erase a lot of it. The bulls, as we've talked about before, were almost last, if not last in the league in three point attempts with Lonzo. So like that can't be, that can't be the case. They need to be better than that. That should be a huge point of emphasis. And it's not just like a lazy criticism of like shoot more threes. Like, you can't be last in the league in three point attempt and expect to win at this at this level. You just you can't. Yeah. So there are there are some major sort of fundamental changes that they I think can change just in terms of like the four factors, which is something that Billy has talked about a lot. Um, transition, getting the foul line, uh, not turning the ball over and uh, rebounding. I think Drummond helps a little bit with the the rebounding part. Like they got kind of killed when Vooch was off the floor. They just need to be like a lot more solid all around than they were in these moments um, and not let just like an injury to their third or fourth best player totally derail their season. I think they're much better equipped to do that. Um, Even with some of these sort of lackluster free agent signings, I just think they're in a better spot now. But a lot of that I think is going to come down to like, you know, executing uh obviously throughout the games but just like during this this training camp period um really understanding what their identity needs to be now that they don't have Lonzo and and taking that seriously yeah and why that matters now is the it seemingly you know I don't want to be uh too doom and gloom here but seemingly there's never a season where the Bulls are healthy there's no reason for us to expect the Bulls to be healthy um, and clearly to start this season, they won't be fully healthy. You, know, you, you remove Lonzo, you remove a key starter, like you're not going to the season healthy. So what that means is ha- how good are you at, uh, at uh, overcoming these types of obstacles? So now's, the, now's their chance to prove it, and then and the, the, they have to. Like there's, there's no <laughs> there's no arm and arming around this point. Like they have to. We, last week we spoke around the Donovan Mitchell trade and the fact that the East is stacked right now, the fact that three really good teams are going to be forced into a, uh, in a into a playoff play-in situation. And and one of those teams is going to ultimately miss out on the playoffs entirely. So there's, there's no there's no time here. You can't stuff around. You have to get it right. And, and the way to, you know, get get around the whole Lonzo thing is by getting them more out of your best players and, and the team more generally. So we'll see how it plays out, Will. Obviously, time will tell. We're getting into more more the basketball side of things now. Like we're, we're almost in the middle of September at this point, training camp. We're only a few weeks away from that. So it's going to be interesting to see how the team navigates around this more generally. Obviously, we've spoken about our ideas. We're not Billy Donovan. We're not the players. But uh, let's see how it materializes. And obviously, as it does, we'll um, we'll evaluate it, at, uh, you know, how, how it plays out. But nonetheless, let's, let's call it on this episode. Uh, you know, another deep dive on Lonzo. Um, I'm, I'm tipping there's going to be more throughout the uh, the season because he's a key player. This is not a topic that's just going to die now. Like it's 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 a narrative that's going to be continuing throughout the season. So it's something that we're going to, going to continually continuously be talking about. But uh, hopefully, at some point, we'll be talking about Lonzo coming back and knowing when that is. But until that time, we'll. Uh, I guess we'll just have to keep talking about how they play without him. But nonetheless, thank you everyone for tuning into CHGO Bulls. You know where to follow Will at this point, but in the event that you don't, at won't go 
at Won't Got Leave on Twitter. I'm at, at, at uh, NK Hoops. You can follow the podcast at CHGO underscore Bulls. Wherever you get your podcast, whether it's YouTube, whether it's Spotify, Apple, all that sort of stuff, you know where to get us. Um, Will and I will be back tomorrow on Friday, wrapping up the week with some further conversations around our favorite team. But uh, until then, this has been CHGO Bulls. Uh, Speak soon, Bulls fans.